0: The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its
1: advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show.
0: Welcome to
2: the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little.
0: Hello, and welcome back inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Thank you for joining us once again this week. This is episode three of season five of a weekly podcast about high school football in the Mid Ohio Valley. You can download new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe if you want those notifications sent to you that new episodes are ready. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. As we say every week, it is a podcast that has coverage on both sides of the river. And this week, we'll actually get into Ohio. I wanted to talk to the Ohio schools earlier in the preseason preview series, and I was able to, but glad to have them on. Better late than never. We'll talk to Marietta Head Coach Jason Chobe and Frontier Head Coach Russ Morris. Also, we'll visit with new PHS Head Coach Matt Kimes. We'll hear from him. Some other news and notes. We'll take a look back at our top five storylines entering 2022 as we saw them at the end of last year. I already shared the top five storylines going into this season. Now I want to compare those with what we had at the end of last year, and there's a big one that we had haven't talked about yet that will come back up. Also, Taryn Malone rejoins us, and it's week one in Ohio. We'll preview the openers in Ohio, and we'll talk about another issue that is threatening high school sports in West Virginia and Ohio both. But before we get into all of those things, let's continue our preseason preview series. Trying to get to 11 different schools in this series. So far, I've been able to hit 10, hoping to get 11 in there sometime soon. If we get River, I would love to have Mike Flannery on. If we're not able to, apologies to the River Pilots fans. I did get to go to Marietta and visit with head coach Jason Shobe. Uh, they lost a lot of talent at skill positions, but they are building around some new players, and they've even got a quarterback derby to start 2022. Some of the kids are kids that started on the other side of the ball. So um, right now we have Jaquel Shelton and uh, Bryce Dotson as our two two wing running backs, um, and they both started on defense last year. Mm-hmm. So um, they're back. They have varsity experience. They're going to be playing both sides of the ball. What can we expect at a quarterback this year? So right now we have uh, two kids, Kinson Lunchman and, and uh, Drew Warden, and uh, the freshman, sophomore, so they're young, um, but they're both talented, good kids, and work hard. So, um, both both have potential. You don't often have what some might call quarterback competitions around here. So, how are you handling this one? We're trying to get both kids reps. Each each day is different. So, I'm trying to get both kids reps. Both both kids bring different things to the table. Um, so, kinson uses his legs a lot more. He likes he's more of a run pass thread where uh, Drew's more of a pocket passer. That's Marietta head coach Jason Shobe, staying on the Ohio side of the river. Frontier lost some talented players last season, but head coach Russ Morris is optimistic they'll be able to replace those guys.
1: We lost uh, some nice players. You know, we lost Tanner Bills, lost J.D. Smith, lost Gavin Allen. You know, it's a lot of tackles, Gavin and J.D. Uh, some nice players might be a bit yeah, of an understatement. Yes, they're good players, but we've got some good guys uh, coming back, and we've got some good uh Guys, it's uh, improved in, in jumping into spots. So. I think we'll still be fast on defense. I still think we'll still be athletic. Uh, we just got to go play somebody and see. Uh, again, our scheme is not going to be overly complicated, so kids don't they have to think a little bit. But once the ball snaps, they can just react and uh, and hopefully use their athleticism to make plays.
0: That's Frontier head coach Russ Morris. His best returning athlete is probably Lucas Cox, who makes the transition under center this season for the Cougars.
1: Well, we're going to play Lukey Cox at uh, quarterback. Lukey played... Uh, some receiver for us in the past. Last year he was kind of a hybrid receiver and running back. Both, we have very good athlete. We've asked him to move to quarterback. Uh, I'm a big believer, and you have to have a nice athlete at quarterback. And he's done a very good job of stepping into that leadership role. And uh, we're trying to do things that are to his strengths. Uh, we'll probably run the ball a little bit more this year than we did. The last couple years, I think we'll still have the ability to throw some, but we're going to try to to run the ball. We've got uh, three running backs in uh, Noah West, who's back from last year. He was our fullback. He's back. Uh, Liam Benson, Blake Brooker. Uh, Ethan Snyder might see a little bit of time at running back, and Caleb Kirkpatrick might see a little bit of time at running back. He's a freshman, but he might get in there a little bit. At receivers, slice tight ends, we'll have – Brendan Buck and Walker Hendershot, who were both receivers last year for us. Uh, Ethan Snyder, we'll see some time in receiver. True King, some time in receiver. And then up front, we've got three of our uh, three returning linemen and, and Josiah Jones, 6'5, 285. He's a very nice lineman, plays right tackle. Our center, Riley Dunn's back. Adam was back at guard. And then we moved Preston Stamp to guard and, and Evan Cohen at tackle. Having played a couple game for us to tackle there last year and then uh, Michael Glover and Carson Potts could also see some times up front, so we do have a little bit of depth. We've got 32 guys on the roster, which were that's a number that's better than what you've had in that's the last few It's the most years. we've had since yeah. I've been back. I'm ex- we're excited. Uh, we have some depth. I think we have a decent amount of depth for a, for a small school football team.
0: That's Frontier head coach Russ Morris at Parkersburg High School. It's a new era as Matt Kimes comes in and takes the head coaching spot. Mike Bias coached there for five years before retiring, and now it's Kimes that comes in off of back-to-back playoff appearances at Warren. His first head coaching job. Kimes is a PHS graduate, and he says it probably hasn't really hit him yet that he's coaching at his alma mater.
3: Yeah, I don't think it really has, and I think it probably will that first Friday night when we walk out of the helmet and all the crowd's here and the lights are on, and and then I think it'll hit me at that point, Um, you know. It's a very humbling experience, but at the same time, very exciting experience. And um, we're, we're really working hard to, to be ready to, uh, to be as prepared as we can.
0: That's new PHS head coach Matt Kimes. He's got a really big asset in David Parsons at quarterback. Now, Parsons wasn't designated as QB1 last year. That's a title that Mike Bias reserved for Bryson Singer. But injuries and COVID issues forced PHS to use Singer in a variety of ways that hurt his numbers and limited his time as a true quarterback into his place last year in many occasions and in many formations stepped Parsons so although he's in his first full year as starter he still got a lot of time last year and for Kimes that's something he's been able to take advantage of and watch Parsons in his progression to becoming the guy under center.
3: Yeah I think you can see his confidence every day and he takes control of the huddle and he's got a good rapport with the guys in the locker room and and um, you know he's a he's a guy that people gravitate towards, you know, and, and wanted or not, being the quarterback of a football team, you got to have some sort of leadership skills, and he possesses those. Now it's just being consistent with them and leading the guys the right way. So he, he's maturing with that part of it. Um, there's no doubting his talent level. Um, he's a skilled guy as I've coached at that position, and, um, you know, it's on us as coaches to continue to get him mentally prepared for, for what defense is going to try to do to him. Um, he's working hard, and, and we're getting close.
0: Times also says there are a lot of new weapons around David Parsons.
3: We got uh, Stalnaker twins, Andrew and Matthew, that are both 6'3, you know, 175. Our versatile players can play inside, outside. Um, Austin Fleming, our tight end, is a super talented kid. We've got to find ways to get him the ball. Um, Anthony Ice in the slot, we're really excited about. And uh, Casey Stanley um, and and Quavon Cyrus on the outside as well. So we've got a bunch of names that we can throw it to. Um, and then we got some guys in the backfield they are going to be talented as well. You know, Logan Hart-Shorn, um, Aiden Cook came over um, to provide some depth as well. I'm really excited to see those guys play. And
0: yes, that list does include, as Kimes said, Aiden Cook, who transferred from Parkersburg South. So that's PHS head coach Matt Kimes, earlier heard from Marietta head coach Jason Chobe and Frontier head coach Russ Morris. Our preseason preview series videos can all be found on the Light Rock 93 on our Facebook page. Scroll back and find all of them if there's a coach you missed. Hopefully we'll have River head coach Mike Flannery before the end of the month. couple other news and notes that have come up this week. St. Mary's High School will honor Steve Deem at their September 9th game. He coached the 1984 undefeated team, as well as the 1994 team that fell one game shy of the Super Six. That's a team that I think a lot of people forgot about. This is how different high school football was in 1994. St. Mary's was back down to Class A. In 1994, going to the playoffs for St. Mary's was not a perennial thing. In fact, they were there the year prior. But before that, you have to go back back to that 84 unbeaten team to find the last time St. Mary's was in the playoffs. The Blue Devils defeated Buffalo Putnam and Big Creek at home before facing Valley Wetzel at New Martinsville's alumni field in a state semifinal. That's right, the Valley Wetzel Lumberjacks with a defending Class A runners-up. They would go on to lose the Class A state title game in 94 after defeating St. Mary's in that semifinal, and then they would lose the Class A title game two more times before their fortunes would turn at Valley Wetzel High School. Hard to Believe there was a day in the not too distant past that Valley Wetzel was a class A football power, but they were in the early to mid 90s under Tom West. But St. Mary's under Steve Deem on a neutral field fell one game shy of the Super Six and a yard shy of the Super Six as they uh, fell just short of the end zone of the game's final play. Deem would leave two games into the following season under some circumstances that we won't get into here on this program, but as a result of those circumstances by and large, he's not really been recognized in any meaningful way, shape, form, or fashion at St. Mary's High School. I know it's important for head coach Jody Mote. Probably has been a long time in the works because he played for Steve Dean, and I think when you've won a couple state championships and you've got the longevity of Jody Mote, you can do these kinds of things. You can go back and honor figures from the program's past that may have had some tarnished reputations and that may have fallen away from your program and give them the due that they're honored. It's kind of like when the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. They could come back and recognize Bill Buckner. Well, St. Mary and Jody Moat decided it's time to recognize Steve Deem and all he's accomplished. He's not really come back for the reunions, and he's not really come back, by and large, to this program in any meaningful fashion. It was just announced on Jody Moat's social media channels this week that this is happening, so I imagine this is something he probably has been twisting Coach Deem's arm to do for a long time, and finally got the go-ahead to do that. So, a really cool thing that they're being able to do there at St. Mary's High School. Another bit of news, in July, Lance Benninger, the former Parkersburg Catholic and Belpre head coach, was hired at Federal Hawking to become the new head coach of the Lancers. However, just last week it was reported on WOUB's website that Federal Hawking has been forced to cancel the entire 2022 season over roster concerns. They've struggled at Federal Hawking for years to field a full roster of players. The athletic director at Federal Hawking determined that they did not have enough players for either a middle school or high school football team, and just two weeks before kickoff the Lancers have been forced to forfeit their entire schedule. So, tough times for folks at Federal Hawking. Also, a really tough time for Lance Binniger, a good guy who really got a raw deal at Parkersburg Catholic and has bounced around trying to find a place in high school football since then. He's been on the assistant staff at PHS. He's helped Mike Bias over the years. Again, he got the job at Belprey and essentially was handed the program when Mike Duvall retired just a few games into his season, filled out the rest of the season as an interim before being eventually replaced by Jimmy Bell after Belprey decided they wanted to go a different direction. So it's been a rough last few years for Lance Binniger at the high school coaching level. He's a good guy I hope he ends up on his feet and finds a way to stay involved because kids are better off for having somebody like him in high school sports, and hopefully he finds his next big move sooner than later.
2: Stay connected with us on Facebook, like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show.
0: Let's go between the hash marks and take a look back at the top five storylines entering the 2022 season. Last week, we looked at my top five storylines going into the season, but I'm going to take a look back at the list at the end of the 2021 season. I made a list at the end of last year of what I thought they would be, and I swear I did look at them before I made the current list that we shared with you last week. This list included these things. Number one, will Richie repeat? Of course, that was a natural. The Rebels had just won the state title, and we talked about that a fair amount last week. It's going to be an uphill battle for Ritchie County. They scrimmaged River over the weekend. That was a good hard test for the Rebels. We'll see if those weapons develop around quarterback Ethan Haught. Their schedule is so front-loaded this year. They're at title are consolidated to start the season. It's a first half of the schedule that also has St. Mary's and Doddridge County. So if you're Ritchie County, that is a front-loaded schedule. Wahama's no pushover either. They're on that schedule as well. So it's going to be tough for Ritchie County to get some traction in this season. That may be their toughest task yet. We asked what PHS would do beyond Bryson Singer. It was a question that we asked at the end of last year. Well, PHS is in a new era, but really not so much because of Singer. It's because of the departure of his head coach, Mike Bias, has left, giving way to the Matt Kimes era. We talked about that lot last week. Here's when we hit on the nose. Year two for Robert Shockey and Cyrus Traw at Parkersburg South. Traw getting a lot of attention as one of the state's best players and his quarterback Robert Shockey, only a junior in his second year. Those two working together one more time. That should be some big things. We talked about who's next in the LKC. That was the number four one and that was our number one last week is who survives the LKC death match. That is I think going to be the biggest overarching storyline to watch the entire season. And finally number five was one I didn't touch on. A number five from the end of last year's list was due We see Parkersburg Catholic again, and if so, when? We haven't talked about this yet, but Parkersburg Catholic, as of earlier this summer, was reportedly going to try to play a hybrid schedule. They hired head coach Larry Thompson to run that program in 2021. They didn't have a season, they didn't have the players, so Thompson ended up coaching on the Parkersburg South staff for Nate Tanner, but he is there, and he's going to try to rebuild the football program at Parkersburg Catholic. And by hybrid schedule, I mean hybrid varsity, JV, and eight man football. They're going to play some eight man games, they'll play some varsity games, they'll play some JV games. At least participation is going to be a thing That they'll be able to do That's the positive of that How much does it get covered? How much attention does it get? Well, that's a good question Because varsity football is going to get the most attention There's not enough of an eight-man scene right now For that to get a lot of attention But I think really for this program to get some traction They've got to get some positive media attention So hopefully we'll get over and talk to Larry Thompson At some point and get his take on things And get an update on what's going on over there And so that's where I was at the end of last year These are the top five storylines at the end of last year Last year that I thought would be big, Ritchie County repeating, what would PHS do beyond Bryson Singer, the combo of Robert Shockey and Cyrus Traw in year two at South, who's next in the LKC, and we answered that a lot last week. It's going to be a dogfight between St. Mary's, Ritchie County, Williamstown, Doddridge County, and if they have anything to say about it, title consolidated, and then finally, will we see Parkersburg Catholic? Four of the five I included in last week's show without even consulting that list. Pretty impressed by that. Our Metro News correspondent, Taryn Malone, is back with us for another week, and with Ohio games on the docket for this week week. Taryn whets our appetites for the first couple weeks of the season by telling us some games to watch both in this area and statewide. Taryn?
2: Hello again, Eric. I'm glad to sit down and talk some high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley yet again. This week, I'm going to touch basis on a handful of games to watch locally and statewide in the first two weeks of the regular season. In week number one, the local games I'm keeping my eyes on, Capital at Parkersburg South. Last year's contest was an eye-opening performance for both squads, especially for the Patriots as Nathan Tanner's squad, Edge has capital in a thrilling 29-28 contest. St. Mary's at Rhone County. Eric, if you remember, this was one of the best games of the season, especially for Rhone County. This was a quality St. Mary's team they took on last year, and St. Mary's had everything going, especially in this game, but they could not score offensively or defensively. They were shut out last season by the final score 6 to nothing. It was more like one of those old-fashioned defensive games. Rhone County would continue on and make it to the Class AA State quarterfinals while eventually losing to Independence by a final score of 22-8. Meanwhile, St. Mary's was shut out that class single-A playoff picture a year ago. Tyler consolidated at Ritchie County. It's also a notable game on his schedule as well in week number one. Statewide games to watch during week one of the high school football season. A Thursday night matchup between Morgantown High School and South Charleston in the capital city of Charleston. I was at last year's contest where the Black Eagles would travel to Morgantown. They won that contest by a final score of 37-28. to 28. This year, Metro News will provide the matchup on a free live HD broadcast at WV Metro News. Some other notable games to include as well, Huntington at Spring Valley, the Highlanders edge past the Timberwolves 9-6 last season. That's going to be an intriguing matchup between both squads again this season. Bluefield versus Graham, Virginia. This is the annual border matchup between both squads. This is the first time that we've seen this matchup since the year of 2019. And also Point Pleasant at Greenbrier East as well. Some week two local games to keep your eyes out for, Tyler Consolidated at Doddridge County. This game will be filled with some emotions, Eric, as Trenton Huffman will be taken the field as a Doddridge County Bulldog. This past summer, Huffman transferred from Tyler Consolidated to Doddridge County High School. The quarterback will be faced with many new challenges on and off the field during the second week of the season. Work County at Magnolia is also a notable game to keep an eye out for during the second week as well. Week two statewide games to watch includes the following. Princeton at Bluefield. The Tigers defeated their county rivals in Bluefield 39-36 last season. The Beavers lead the series 64-28. Shady Spring at Nicholas County. Both squads have qualified for the playoffs in the last three of the four seasons. And meanwhile, in the Eastern Panhandle, Musselman at Martinsburg. The two Eastern Panhandle perennial powers will clash yet again. The Applemen will look to defeat the Bulldogs for the first time since the year 2000. I will continue to provide updates in the coming weeks on these intriguing matchups as well. In University City, I'm Taren Malone, Metro News Sports. Eric,
0: back to you. Thank you, Taren. Kind of funny story about that Trenton Huffman situation. Fourth of July weekend this year, I found myself at a party where I was next to Trenton Huffman. It took me a minute to realize who it was. I didn't recognize the face, but his family was talking about his transfer to Doddridge mm-hmm. County, and then through context clues later in the evening, I learned who it was and figured things out. The funny thing is, the party was In St. Mary's, and people of the party were razzing him for not going to St. Mary's instead of going to Doddridge County. But Tyler Consolidated's loss will be Doddridge County's gain this season, as Huffman's transfer to Doddridge County will swing the balance of power in the LKC. Hard to believe, but as we come at you this week in what feels like mid-August, it is a high school football week in Ohio. There are two games, both of them kicking off on Thursday night this week. The first takes place locally at Marietta's Dondrum Stadium as the River Pilots take on the Marietta Tigers. It's a rematch of a game from Week 2 last season won by River 35-14 in Hannibal. River coming off of a deep playoff run last year that saw them knock off number 2 seed Byrne Union. They're still loaded, though they did lose receiver Brody Lollathan to graduation. They're excited for what should be a big year in Hannibal, and Marietta's excited, too. You heard from Jason Shobe earlier on the program as well. They're building around some new skill players and still leaving camp unsettled somewhat at the quarterback spot. We'll see what they learn from this matchup against the River Pilots, but it's going to be Marietta's inexperienced skill positions that could potentially be exposed this week against a more experienced River team. Though it's a tough opener for Marietta, the schedule does get a little easier this year than what it's been in previous years. They've taken away some of those powers from up I-77, a more OVAC-centric schedule, and for Marietta, they start with three of their first four games at the friendly confines of Don Drum Stadium. Not so shabby. Another local team in action this week is Frontier, a Thursday night clash against Bridgeport. Russ Morris' squad looking to get back to the postseason and establish a winning tradition there. You heard from him already in the show. They're happy about the numbers they've got and though they lost some talented players they're happy with their depth numbers at Frontier better than they've been this time around for Russ Morris. Frontier by the way will not open at home until week three a September 2nd clash against Bellsville. Before we go, I want to hit on an issue we've talked about a lot of times on this program over the years, and that's officiating. And the issue is not the quality of officiating itself, though some of you will probably beg to differ. The issue is the officials themselves, notably the quantities of them. Russ Morris, when I talked to him this week in the preseason preview series, that's Frontier's head coach, talked about the fact that Frontier is playing Bridgeport Thursday night this week to open the season. And the reason he gave for that was an interesting one.
1: Uh, They had some, uh, you know, not as many officials, I think uh, we've had in years past, and there' be AC asked if we would, could play, some of the teams could play some Thursday games. and Our AD Roger asked me if we'd do that, and I said, Well, we're not in school, you know, might as well. It's, it's kind of cool, you know, Yeah, play on a Thursday night, and, uh, and you're not creating a short week for yourself, really. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just to we, do it to do it the opener, right? Right, so it's not that big a deal, and uh. You know, the kids are excited. You know, we're going up to Bridgeport. You know, there might be some people that just love football that aren't from either school and come to the game and never seen a Frontier football team play, and hopefully we can... uh Show them what we're capable
0: of. Again, that's Frontier head coach Russ Morris talking about why Frontier Bridgeport is being played on a Thursday this week. Interesting because this is the first I've actually heard of a league or a conference making that request of head coaches to go find alternate nights to play some of your games if you at all can because of the shortage of officials. You know, asking to move some games to Thursday, maybe move some games to Saturdays. And what ripple effect does that have? Because a lot of the folks that referee football also referee middle school football or peewee football. And they're trying to get their games played on Thursdays, Wednesdays, Sundays, and Saturdays, I'm sure, as well. So, eventually, at some point, something's got to give, and the number of officials will not be sufficient to match the games that we're trying to play. We've been talking about this issue for a while, but now, here it is confronting us in the face. Does it stop? Do we find more people that are interested in becoming officials? I know that these days, it is easier than ever to be a hermit, to hole up in your house, to stay home. And I know that more and more of us have stressful jobs that make us want to do nothing more on Fridays or Thursdays or whatever evening than go home, get something to eat, burrow in the safety of our houses, and then not come back again until the next time comes, until we have to go back to work or have to do something else. There are so many people that are just trying to get through life day by day and survive just so they can have that shred of sanity at the end of the day and that tranquility. However, it is is a commonly known fact that men in particular in the young adult age group struggle to make friends and struggle to meet new people because the friends you had in high school and or college, they're going on their own way. They're making their own path in life. They've got their families and their obligations, and they don't have time to do the things they once did. This is a way to make friends, become an official, have the camaraderie of being part of a team once again. And this is why I'm surprised that more people don't go from playing high school football to officiating high school football football. Those officials are a tight-knit group. They work by and large in the same crews week to week. You become friends with these guys. They're your teammates. You have fun with those guys and you also get to participate in sports and you get a form of exercise and you get to give back to your community. People don't do this, though, because of, A, the reason I cited before, it's easier than ever to go home and and burrow and hide away for the weekend. B, if you want to be part of football, it's not exactly like the games sell out for spectators, so people aren't exactly rushing to the turnstiles to go to football games, much less participating as officials. But the biggest reason why people aren't jumping to officiate is that it is a tough gig. There's a lot of criticism that comes with it, and a lot of it from coaches, from parents, from fans, from administrators, from athletic directors, from broadcast from members of the media. Officiating is a very difficult thing to do, but we don't make it any easier. We as a football-consuming society need to change how we view officiating and the respect that we put on officiating. If we did not have officials, we would not have games, and we're in danger of not having games. Too many people in the media, and sometimes... I myself am guilty of this. I'm telling on myself here. Criticize officials who make calls in big games or criticize the calls themselves. Is it true that occasionally a game is changed or decided by a call an official makes? Yes, that's going to happen. You've got the human element involved. Mistakes are going to get made. That's the price you pay, though, for being able to do this activity. And we badly need people to do this because here is an example in Ohio of a conference, which, by the way, does serve both sides of the river, asking its teams if they could move Some games to other nights, in this case, Thursday. But when is it going to stop? How many other leagues, how many other administrative boards are going to step in and say, hey, we need to consider maybe making some Thursday games or some Tuesday games or Monday games? We need to find a way to alleviate this shortage because if you've not been to a game recently, officials aren't getting younger. It's predominantly men in their 50s or older that do this. If you're younger and you want something to keep you active, if you want to keep a hand in sports, if you you want to help out your community and if you want to be part of a team seriously consider high school officiating contact the folks at the wvssac to do it on the west virginia side of the river hope to talk to wayne ryan from the ssac soon and share some information later on in this program about how to become an official but that was a story over the summer on both wtap and the parkersburg news and sentinel the need for officials not just in football but in all sports and if you're willing and able to do it i highly encourage you to consider it Maybe it's me, but it just seems like participation in so many things in life in general is down, and I've been... Spending a lot of time Trying to figure out What people are doing And the answer I honestly think Is nothing I think more people Stay at home And stay to themselves Now than you used to see And I think just Participation in public And societal functions And organizations Is down And I understand Why people do it I'm a bit of an introvert Myself You wouldn't think so Because of the job I have But there is a side of me Where I like to keep To myself as well I think more people Have learned that About themselves Or have decided that About themselves Since the pandemic We've decided that maybe we do value that time to ourselves and we need that in our lives. So I think that's why some of the participation in these things happens to be down. But again, this is a show about high school football. I'm not here to diagnose societal trends. I am not a psychologist, so I play one on the radio sometimes, or at least it feels that way. But either way, participation is something I think we all have to look at in our lives. It's ironic that we talk about that because what is the one of the biggest topics here, numbers, participation, that's big on our preseason preview series, but yet participation in so many other aspects Of life is down for adults. Maybe we need to take a cue from the younger generation. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Hey, next week is opening week in bulk and we're glad for it. Lots to talk about next week. Lots of games to preview. Come back next week and join us for that. I'm the Namesake. Thank you so much for joining us on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. More next week. Until then, enjoy opening week in Ohio, everybody.
2: This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on facebook come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening
0: i found myself at a party